You're listening to a Chicago Sports Nation production, enhancing your Chicago sports fan experience. Well, come on, baby, don't you wanna go? Well, come on, baby, don't you wanna go? Back to the same old place, sweet home, Chicago. All right, welcome everybody back to Bears Nation Podcast. I am your host, Kevin Lapka, here with my co-host, Chris Nano, who is probably an unhappy Chris Nano after what happened Monday night against the Rams. Ugly, ugly, ugly loss. You could probably say ugly about 10 more times, and it still wouldn't define just how bad that loss was to the Rams. There's a lot to unpack. There's a lot to dissect. Um, Chris Nano is here with us, and he's going to unpack it all for us. But, Chris, uh, you know, just on a scale of 1 to 10 right now, um, you know, what what is your worry level? Because that's everyone's first. And we're going to go through this, and we're going to tell people why they shouldn't worry. We are going to give reasons for people to why they should worry. Um, but that's the main question right now is, you know, who are the Bears? Where are they? Um, do you have an answer to that? Who Who is this team? What kind of team are they? Are they a contender? Are they not? And what's your worry level? I mean, what what is it after this Monday night game that's kind of a, a bombshell, maybe? what like people like to say a reveal about this team where where are you at after monday night yeah look man i'm just amazed that we're we're literally having the same conversations every week and and it's like nothing is really getting better like okay Mm -hmm. let's break this down a little bit the defense is on the field for the majority of the game they're on the field much longer than than our offense is i feel like in every game um Mm -hmm. and usually by a lot um this defense is so, so good. So good. There are so many pieces on this defense that are that are elite. You talk about Kill Mack, Akeem Hicks, um, you know, even Roquan Smith. I know he kind of struggled yesterday. So did, did Danny Trevathan. But Roquan Smith, in my opinion, is a bona fide stud. Okay. And then you talk about the secondary. Jalen Johnson, Kyle Fuller, Eddie Jackson, even Tashawn Gibson has been good this year. Should have had a pick six. Yeah, he should have. And I would have looked right again. And I would have looked very smart. But (laughs) (laughs) no, but in all seriousness, like we know what this defense possesses. We know how good they are. And then it's like you flip it over to the offense and it's like you're watching a completely different team almost. Like Mm -hmm. guys just like everything. I could be completely off the rails. I, I could be, you know, completely emotional you know, this evening, but like, I'm just thinking about, there's so many things wrong. Like it's not to me, that whole argument about, you know, we're a piece away or a couple pieces away. I I don't believe that anymore. Like what, what to you suggests that we're only a piece away? Like in my opinion, play calling is horrible. Play calling Mm -hmm. is absolutely like, excuse my language, but it is absolutely dog shit. Like it's terrible. They're like, no, it, it seems like Matt Nagy goes into every game with like a set of plays that he's like, all right, I'm going to I'm going to call these plays in this order, regardless of game script. Like it, it feels that way. It really, really does. Um, and then you talk about the QB play. Very inconsistent. You have Foles missing guys. Um, you know, he'll 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 make the he'll make a couple throws here and there. But, you know, you, you know, it's not going to come without some missed throws as well. Um and then you talk about the receivers. No one other than Allen Robinson. I mean, Darnell Mooney is a great piece. I think he's a he's a guy for the future. Like he, he can definitely produce right now, and he has been producing. He's been getting open, this and that. But he's not. You know, you you need more. You need more. And outside of 
Allen Robinson and maybe Darnell Mooney. They're, you're getting nothing from literally anyone. And then the offensive line. The offensive line is just, like, are these guys even trying? Like, are, are they even putting an effort at this point? Like, I, I, man, I, I'm just, I, I don't know, man. I don't know. I, I'm Yesterday really kind of um, exposed everything that I was worried about. And I feel like that's why I'm so pessimistic right now. I know that was a lot, so I'll, I'll let you, I'll turn it over to you. No, well, I get you. I mean, everyone has the right to be upset, and obviously everyone's bitching right now, and everyone's complaining and saying, you know, there's so many things wrong, and there are. But what we're, what I think we should do here on this podcast, I mean, people, you know, this is a day late. We're going to be putting this out uh, Wednesday morning. You'll probably be hearing it Wednesday, Thursday, whatever. And you've probably already heard Chicago Sports Radio on Tuesday, and you've heard all the callers call in and, and say all this and complain, complain, complain. So what we're going to do here is we're going to attempt to fix the problem. Number one, let's address the first and most prominent thing. Well, I would say tied for the first and most prominent thing, and that would be the play calling. Matt Nagy, how do you fix it? Well, it's pretty damn simple. You don't got to, you know, dive into a book that's 500 pages to figure out the solution to that. You just give it over to Bill Lazor. You just give it over to John DeFilippo. And he was asked about that in the press conference today, but he said regarding the play calling, quote, I don't think that's where it's at. And Matt Nagy, to that, I don't know what to tell you. And look, this is my message to Matt Nagy. There is no shame if you give up the play calling. It's quite frankly, it's literally better for the sake of your job, Matt, if you give up the play calling. That's my that's my take on it because we all understand that you are a great players coach. You have built a fantastic culture, but you are a terrible play caller. But if it means that, you know, you're not being selfish, you give it over and it's for the benefit of the team, all of a sudden you're a hero again, Matt. You're a hero. The team looks better. You're being you're able to just be a pure coach, be a good head coach, be a good uh, you know, players coach and all that and if the offense is getting better which it probably will because there's nowhere to go but up then you know no no one's wrong you know no one's gonna hate on you for that it, it quite frankly is better for you you ha- you just have to admit Matt um, this is my message I hope he's listening he's definitely not but if he was listening you know just give it up man I mean th- there's nothing you can do at this point to even salvage anyone's opinion on, on their thoughts of your play calling there's no going back this is what it is man and, and this is who you are and you know it was a failed experiment quite frankly so Give it over to Bill Lazor. Give it over to John DiFilippo. Um, but Chris, I mean, to me, that is just, I mean, that that's one of those things where this is not something that is that is a huge fix, like a hard fix. Like it's right there in front of you. All you do is you pass it over to Lazor. I mean, it, it's it's right there within your organization, within your coaching staff. And I don't know if Bill Lazor is, you know, the next Andy I mean, that, that's not the case, but if it's anything different and anything better than Matt Nagy, then we're taking it. So I want to know your thoughts on that. Yeah, like it, it, I mean that that's that's the the most simple fix you would think, um, you know. And and like you said though, like I just don't know if Bill Lazor is that guy that's gonna change things, you know. And and that's kind of my yeah. whole problem with it. That that's my whole that's my whole thing. It's like the, the he brought Nagy brought in these guys to I feel, in my opinion, this is how I'm viewing the situation. He brought in the coaches that he did to kind of. Um, What's the word I'm looking for um, to kind of just, you know, bounce ideas off of. I I don't think they, you know, I don't think you brought them in to have that type of role. Um, yes. and, and, and I feel like that's kind of the problem is he brought in guys that that he knew would would support, kind of, him. Um, support him. Exactly. So it's like I don't know if turning it over to to Bill Lazor is really going to do much, um, oh. you know, and and, and there, there's been, um you know, there's been. In the past, as a play caller, uh, Bill Lazor's offense offenses have not ranked well. So, 
Um, you know, mm-hmm. it's just like, you know, the Ozic feel like they're kind of stacked against this offense right now. Um, and that's kind of how I'm viewing it. But yeah, I mean, at this point, like, I mean, that, that, that has to be the first move like that. If that, if that change doesn't happen with the play caller, like this, this team, in my opinion, is done for. Like, I, I truly believe that. And that's evident. And that's why I think a lot of people will say it's the most glaring issue with the offense. Um, you know, people argue if it's the offensive line or the quarterback, but um, I think that's right up there with the as the most glaring issue. I mean, to me, it's not just the fact that he's not being creative and he's he's not, you know, doing the right things in the right situations, but more than anything, it's his inability to adjust. Um, you know, you've seen what has happened on fourth and one or third and one with Cordero Patterson on, the, on that exact play and how it hasn't worked in the past. And yet in a critical moment on Monday night, what do you do? You throw Cordell Patterson back out there. Um, his inability to adjust, I think teams have figured him out, and he doesn't know how to get out of that rut. He doesn't know how to, you know, every team is coming in there, you know, knowing what Matt Nagy is going to do, and he doesn't know how to counteract that. He doesn't know how to adjust to that. And I think that's that's one of the biggest issues and one of the most, uh, you know, important um, aspects of a coach is their ability to adjust and not just from a play calling standpoint, just from a game standpoint, you know, every single aspect of the game, you know, the, you are going to get adversity thrown at you at every single game that you play in the NFL, but the better teams and all the good teams, in the NFL know how to adjust to that adversary, know how to counter that adversary and be better because of it. Um, I'm not sure Matt Nagy knows how to do that from a play calling standpoint. Um, but the reason why I say that's such a simple fix is like, you know, you, you do talk about blowing everything up. And I know we already said Bill Lazor may not be, you know, the greatest play caller, but but again, there's nowhere to go but up. To me, it's worth a try. Um, but that's one of those things where it's right in your back pocket. So let me tell you another thing that's right in your back pocket. And you're going to hate on me for this. And quite frankly, if, you know, I, I am sorry, but Jake Hassan is going to regret not being on this episode because uh, he doesn't have an opportunity to defend himself about Nick Foles. Um, but sorry, <laughs> God, I mean, I don't want to say I was right. But was I right, Chris? Was I kind of right? I mean, we were both right. I mean, everyone should have known this. I mean, how many times do we have to say it in the offseason, Chris? How many times do we have to say it? Nick Foles has never done it for a full season. He's never done it as a starter. We tried to send the message this offseason, guys. We really did. And that's why you, even you yourself, Chris Nano, picked Mitch Trubisky to be the starter week one. And I think that's one of the main reasons that you chose that. And everyone was a little bit blinded by the wins and blinded by the victories and all the greatness when you really looked at the stat lines and what Nick Foles was doing. And it was like, holy shit, man, this guy's numbers are worse than Trubisky's were in 2019. Do you even, oh my God, Twitter would be on fire right now if Mitch Trubisky put up the performance that Nick Foles put up last night. Absolutely on fire. I mean, he'd be crucified. I mean, Chicago Sports Radio wouldn't be able to let the name Mitch Trubisky not come out of their mouth for you know, the 30 seconds. I mean, it would be all over and people aren't talking about it. The old line is the scapegoat now. Um, but it kind of just goes to show that, you know, maybe Mitch wasn't the problem after all. And I hate to pose this question because everyone is going to, you know, oh, the quarterback controversy is back, but rightfully show it should be back. It absolutely should be back. Think about if the, if Foles doesn't throw any interception in the red zone, they're driving downfield with an opportunity to tie the game. He's missing 95 yard opportunities, um, to Darnell Mooney. He's, you know, and I know the, the protection wasn't great, but that is not the only excuse, and it's a recipe for disaster, Chris. You have a terrible offensive line, and you've got a statue whose feet are glued to the ground in the backfield. I mean, once the pocket collapses, I know the play's dead. Chris, I know the play's dead once the pocket collapses. Yeah. You know that's going. Yeah. You know that's going to happen. When Mitch Trubisky's in there, at least you have the opportunity. Okay, he'll step up, he'll break out, he'll roll out, he'll find, he'll make, he'll find a way to make a play. Okay, and that's where I think this is a, a huge recipe for disaster. So. I'm going to turn it over to you because I know you disagree with this, but Mitch Trubisky should be the starter against the Saints on Sunday, and I am 100% belief in that. 
I don't know if you guys remember, but I feel like I feel like this whole like off season coming into this year, it was like you were team Trubisky, uh, Jake was team Foles, and I feel like <laughs> I honestly was just saying the whole time mm-hmm. that both quarterbacks sucked, and yes. like I feel like that was my take, and you know. Like, I, I just think the problems are deeper than the quarterback. I don't think it really matters. And this goes back to what J.J. Stankovic said on our show. He said, and we we were we also brought this up all offseason, when you have two quarterbacks, you have none. And that's why I didn't really understand this whole thing with, um, you know, like like just people kind of just siding one with one side or the other, like living and dying by one of these guys. Like, I just, you know what I mean? Like, I... There, it's so much deeper than the quarterback, in my opinion, that that I honestly just don't think it matters too much. Um, but if you if I had to pick a guy right now, I mean, he I would give Foles one more week. Why does he deserve that, though? Tell me why he deserves that leash when never when Mitch never got that benefit. I, I think he deserves that leash. Mm. Honestly, uh, listen, listen, listen. I honestly think he deserves that leash just because you already made the change. So, you know what I'm saying? Like, do you get what it's kind of, I, I, it's making, so it's not really bad. deserving. It's just from a, you know, logical standpoint. Yeah. I mean, like, <laughs> I, I feel like it'd be pretty, pretty unfair to pull him. Like I, I honestly do because listen, 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 listen. If I'm sitting here saying the problems are deeper than the quarterback, like my whole thing is that it doesn't really matter who the quarterback is. So you may as well just roll with the continuity. Like for at least but, another week, but do you get what I'm saying here? Where you know this, oh, this is where where no where Trubisky, given the current um, personnel that you have and the issues you have on offense, that Trubisky is better suited to make it work. I mean, that's not crazy at all. It's completely logical. No, no, no it is logical. A hundred percent is logical. But like, you know, we talk about that that higher floor, and like, I don't know. It's tough to gauge. Like, I don't even know if that's true or not. That's it's why it's not like, true. It's you not. know, it's and, and that's man, like, that's the problem. Like, there's just like Foles, Foles does some nice things. Um, but I, I honestly think it's the play calling more than anything. Uh, and I know a lot of people agree with that. Um, mm-hmm. like, I just think if, if Matt Nagy were to, to kind of go to kind of up the tempo a little bit quicker pass. look at every time the bears are are going and going hurry up look how much better the offense looks like you don't have time to sit there in the pocket for five seconds this offense is not built like that your offensive line is not built for you to do that your receivers are not good enough for that to happen just you got to put the ball in their hands and uh, put the ball in your playmakers hands and and just try to move forward that way because like these you're not you're not gonna sit and pick uh, teams apart. It's not gonna happen. Um, you know, like I, I just, you know, I'm just so sick of this offense. Just week in, week out. Answer your question. I'm I'm completely with you. Um, in terms of um, you know, like if they made the switch to Mitch, I would definitely understand. Um, but just because of continuity and just rolling with what you have, I I'd stick with Foles one more week. So let me bring this up because this is something I've been thinking about a lot recently regarding the O-line and the rushing game. And what's really weird to me, man, and I, you know, I, I, you know, Warren Sharp, um, he's the, you know who Warren Sharp is? He does all the football statistics and stuff, the Sharp analysis. I DM'd him on Twitter hoping he would respond because I need an answer to this question. Tell me why the O-line and the rushing game were both pretty much top 10 units 
under Mitch Trubisky in the first two weeks of the season. And I don't want to hear anything about great defenses they're going up against. I don't want to hear that argument. It's a valid argument, but it wouldn't cause the disparity that we're seeing right now. How can it be that the difference in those two areas is so drastic between when Foles is at the helm versus Trubisky? And I think there is something to evaluate there. Because look, after the first two weeks of this, the first three weeks of the season, I mean, we were like, wow, the running game has improved. The offensive line looks great. Juan Castillo is a hero. Maybe Dave Montgomery's good. Maybe this is all working out. This is great. Nick Foles comes in, boom, it changes immediately. You're rushing for, you know, 2.5 yards per carry. You're rushing for 50 yards per game. The offensive line looks like one of the worst units in the NFL. Tell me why that is, because I think that's a very, very, very interesting thing to evaluate, and no one I have seen has ever brought that up. No one has brought that up, but you look at that, and it's 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 evident. You have all the evidence you need. The running game offensive line was great under Trubisky. Not, it's It's been Putrid, and that's an understatement under Nick Foles. And I do think that there could be validity to the reasoning that Trubisky's running presence, you know, keeps the defense on their heels, um, something like that. You know, when and then once obviously once you do get that running game going, it can keep a defense on their heels. But I don't know if you have any thoughts on that because no one's bringing that up. But I see it. You know, it, it's pretty clear to me that maybe there is something there with that data. You know, how much better was the O line under Mitch, though? What do you mean, man? I mean, we were t- like, we, dude, look. Dude, man, no, they were they were a top ten unit, Chris. Man, they I were a top ten know, unit, man. According know. to ESPN, um, I think it was Cody Whitehair and I believe it was actually Bobby Massey were top ten in pass uh, or pass rush win rate, something like that. Um, I mean, they were a good unit, man. And think about it, the running game was. I mean, we were what like 120, 130 yards per game with the rushing game. And yeah, I know we lost Tariq, and I know that can factor into it, but. It is a drastic, drastic, drastic difference between in those numbers between Foles and Trubisky when when each was at the helm. Yeah, I mean, I, I think you'll get a lot of arguments about it being a small sample size, to be fair. Um, you know, and, and it's just like, I, I don't know. I, I hear what you're saying. I hear what you're saying. Um, but I just... I just don't think this O line is good, man. I think that like you just have a lot of bad players on this offensive line. Um, I, I genuinely think that um, you know, other than White Hair and um, and James Daniels, I, obviously he's hurt, but you know when he's healthy. Other than those two guys, like I mean, who who do you trust? Charles Leno? Do you trust Bobby Massey? And I know you don't trust Rashad Coward. That guy. <laughs> you yeah, just have to laugh, a, man. You just, you have, just to laugh. have to laugh. That's really that's really all you can do at this point. It's just weird to me, man, because uh, I sent you the link. And if you guys are out here listening uh, and you're football nerds and you love statistics, go take a look at Football Outsiders Offensive Line Rankings. And the reason why this is really interesting to me, um, and, and I don't know, maybe in this particular category, statistics lie, but in the adjusted sack rate um, metrics, the Bears rank 11th. Um, they rank fifth in stuffed percentage, which is the percentage of runs where the running back is tackled at or behind the line of scrimmage. So since being stuffed is bad, teams are ranked from stuffed least often, which would be number one to most often, number 32. So they rank fifth in that category. That's pretty damn good. Um, but they rank 30th in open field yards, which are runs of over 10 yards, which according to the Football Outsiders metric are essentially not attributed to the offensive line because according to them, once the running back gets past the first level, those yards gained are based off of the agility, speed, elusiveness, and vision of a running back, not the offensive line. So I'm going to kind of turn this over to the running game, okay? We've been talking about the passing game. Let's turn this over to the running game. And you look at those metrics where I just talked to you about the stuffed percentage, 
the ranking 30th in open field yards, the yards, the rushes of over 10 yards. Um, I don't, I don't know how am how on David Montgomery. And I, I quite frankly, I'm sick of, you know, I don't want to say the O-line is a scapegoat, but I'm sick of every single thing going wrong with the offense and people, you know, solely pointing to that aspect of the team. At some point, you guys have to understand that Dave Montgomery isn't that number one back that you think he is, in my opinion. I think he's a good running back, and I think he's a valuable running back, but he's not that number one guy who's going to carry your offense from the running back position. He's just simply not. Um, it's a bad formula. You know, if the off, you know, I quite frankly, I question his vision. I think we've seen that um, a lot, actually, the past few weeks. He doesn't have that explosiveness, which you bring up nearly every week. And then you look at these numbers, man, where, you know, those runs over 10 yards, which are, you know, supposed to be 100% attributed to the running back and their elusiveness and willingness to um, um, or ability rather to to get past that second level of the defense he's not doing that at a high rate at all um, you know I'm not a Dave Montgomery hater I've never have been and never will be but this is just going to show that everyone is going to point directly to the offensive line because of uh, what you saw on Monday and yeah it was bad but I don't think you know, I, I think you have to look at some of these other. You have to look at the receivers. You have to look at Dave Montgomery. You have to look at you know some of the other weapons on this offense um, that are to blame, in my opinion. Yeah, no, no, no. no. When it comes to the run game, um, I, I, you know, I talked about like in my. I know you're you're kind of disagreeing with the whole fact that the offensive line is the is the uh, is like a big problem. Are you disagreeing? I'm not with disagreeing that? with that. I just think it's too much of a scapegoat right now. Like it, okay, it's too, it's at too high of a level right now. Fair enough. I I I feel like I can understand that. But you know, especially when it comes to this, I I agree with you. Just because I've you know we've watched David Montgomery. Um, he's in my opinion, his ceiling is. is quote-unquote just good like he's just a, I think he can be a mm -hmm. good running back I don't think he'll be anything more than that um he's not a pro bowl running back he's not going to be an all pro nothing like that um but I think he can be productive and I I do think the offensive line is definitely holding him back but you know he I, I've seen David Montgomery just pick the wrong holes um you know he, he he's not explosive by any means like I mean the, the guy is I'll go as far as saying he's slow. Like, honestly, I, I think he's slow. Um, and, and But the great thing about David Montgomery is he finds ways to, you know, to churn those extra yards out. Um, you know, he, he, he runs people over. Um, and, and, you know, he's just a very physical running back. He's your, he's your like, if, if this was 2005, David Montgomery would be a superstar. Um, but, you know, n now you need that explosiveness in, fr from your running back. I, I truly do believe that. Um, I mean, you look at all the you look at all the top running backs in the league right now, and which which one of them isn't explosive other than maybe Derrick Henry? But Derrick Henry is a freaking anomaly. Look oh, at that he's guy. He's explosive. Yeah, and and that's the thing. That's what I was also gonna say. Like, I feel you can you can still argue in terms of his running style, though. He he's more of like you know he runs people he, over ground so. a pound. Yeah. 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 So like you get what I'm trying to say with that, but you know it's just it's one of those things, man. Like I, I don't think David Montgomery um, is as good as people thought he'd be but I also don't think he's a bad running back and I think both things could be true both of those things could be true they they definitely both could be true but it's just and what's weird to me too and then you know people are obviously going to bring Ryan Pace into the equation um you know why hasn't Lamar Miller been activated from the practice squad because at this very moment I would say the Bears are a bottom five running back unit uh well they're actually the worst rushing team in the NFL I'd say right now but from a pure talent standpoint in the backfield given that Tariq Cohen is out 
bottom five, maybe bottom three backfield in the NFL. Uh, fair to say. Oh hell yeah, hell yeah! Like that, I'm, I'm not just really talking about from a statistic standpoint. I'm just talking about from like pure the players you yeah. have. No, no, no. I mean, I, I think that's very valid, very, very valid. Um, I mean, who, who else is worse? Like Frank, I mean, Brown, I Michael P. Ryan. New York. Yeah, that was literally it. The Jets. I mean, yeah, that. I mean, maybe the Giants without, um, without. Uh, Giants. On, but maybe, I mean, maybe, maybe Washington as well. I mean, no, Antonio, Antonio Gibson's Gibson. all right. He's all right. Yeah, he's Antonio, all right. Antonio Gibson and Dave Montgomery. I don't know if I'm crazy for saying that, but like really? this is the problem, man. I, what did what <laughs> what did we say about running backs? Okay, what did we say? I mean, these guys you can find them anywhere, man. I mean, you can find an undrafted rookie. You can find them off the street, barely. People, I mean, Bears fans rightfully so fall in love with our picks. You fall in love with your third round pick. Um, every, every fan does it, right? You want that guy to pan out. You want that guy to be successful. I fell in love with Mitch Trubisky, and I still hope that he pans out in some form or another. Um, and I'm out more on certain players than I am on others. But when it comes to David Montgomery, I mean, it's just, you know, well, I, I think we have to wait to see if, um, you know, you know what would happen. Yeah. I mean, like, I'm not crazy here. Lamar Miller could be effective and he starts running well. And all of a sudden everyone's like, holy crap, you know, David Montgomery, what's going on here? I mean, like, okay, maybe I'm not totally out on David Montgomery. I, I went too, uh, I went too far there. I'm not totally out on David Montgomery, but it should, he should have a more limited role. I mean, I really, I really do think to the point yeah. where this needs to be a run by committee offense. I mean, that's simply what it needs to be. When he gets to the outside, what trust do you have that he's going to cut the edge and get to the first down? I mean, I mean, it never happens. I mean, he, he's not a good outside zone running back. Um, Lamar really ran a 4.4 at the combine. I mean, he's a faster player. Um, but that goes back to the whole point of why the hell is he not on the field either? Why the hell is Artavis Pierce not on the field either? You need to give these guys different looks. You know, if it's not working, you know, you can't just sit back and blame the offensive line. You can't just sit back and blame your play, uh, play calling. If it's not working, try other things. Try something else. And I'm so yeah. sick of this as a Bears fan to see them not have this willingness to not only bring in other players, but not try different things, not try new things when things aren't going well. I mean, it's just baffling to me. Uh, it's simple logic. I mean, it doesn't take a you know a rocket scientist to figure out that when things aren't going well, you try something new and you change it, right? I mean, you don't just roll with the things yeah. that aren't working. I mean, it takes a I mean, a five year old kid can figure that out. It's really not that hard. So it's frustrating to see because we, like you said earlier, week after week, it's so sickening, man. You're so sick of it. You know what's going to happen every time the Bears play. If they win, they're going to put up 24 points, and the defense is going to probably shut off the other team. If they lose, the offense is going to put up three points, and the defense is going to do their best, but it's not going to be enough. I mean, you know the formula for wins and losses for this team. There's no surprises here. So what is what is the reason to not change? And that's what I think bothers me most. Yeah, yeah, and, and like – you know, I, here's here's my whole thing with, with all this. Um, I just kind of going back to to the whole, you know, my whole rant at the beginning of this episode. Like, I, I, I just don't believe in this model. The, the way this team is set up, I do not believe in this model of winning. For, what was that? I'm sorry. The model for winning. Like, like the way this team is set up, like the model of the team, like, you know, mm -hmm. just defense and, and try and, you know, the defense just carrying the offense, you know, limited offensive firepower. I don't believe in this this model for one reason. Um, well, for more than one reason. But this always just keeps playing in my head in 2018. OK, which was the same model as you have right now, I would say. Would you agree with that? Like the team's built the same way yeah, pretty yeah, much. Yeah. OK. In 2018, and the defense has been good this year, 
but you cannot tell me that 2018 defense wasn't more dominant because it was. No, it was more dominant. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, that, that defense was more dominant, and the offense in 2018 was way more competent than the offense that we're seeing right now. Mm-hmm. And that team ended their season scoring 15 points at home against the Eagles and losing a playoff game, which brings me to the point that if you don't have an offense, you are not going to do anything. You cannot you cannot expect your defense to shut people out every damn game. You can't do that. It's not sustainable. It's not realistic, especially now in 2020 where everything is catered for the offense. I mean, you look at you look at some some of the like penalties that are called, like everything is catered to the offense. And it's like you gotta have some sort of competency, um, your competence, like to to you know uh, uh, offensively to to move the ball down the field, put up some points. We scored three points on offense yesterday. Three points. The Rams are not a great team, but these are the types of teams you're gonna see in the playoffs. Okay, the Colts. In my opinion, the two best defenses we played all year, the Colts and Rams. We scored a total of, I believe. Um, I know we scored a touchdown against the Colts, but the game was, in my opinion, already over at that point. So that does that really count? And we didn't even score a touchdown against the Rams. So you're talking about a total of, you know, I'll get, I'll count that touchdown against the Colts. We scored 11 points against the Colts and 10 points against uh, three the Rams. offensive points. And, well, uh, yeah, and three, uh, three of those points were off from off in the offense. So you're talking about you scored 14 points combined offensively against the the Rams and Colts, the two best defenses you played. That's a problem to me. That's a huge problem to me. And that's why I I honestly don't think I'm I'm, you know, like I maybe I am being a little bit pessimistic, but I honestly think there's, you know, there's validity to my arguments right now. I truly do. Well, there's validity to your argument. I mean, but I, I think the validity to your argument is the fact that, you know, here's what I'm the, the point that I made yesterday. I do this Instagram live after every game um, and I kind of just rant to all my my followers who care to jump in. Um, but what I said was, you know, you, you can win with average, but you can't win with, you know, what happened on against the Colts and against the Rams. So I think yeah. the validity of your statement is they, they, they don't need to. You know, it's what we've said all year. They don't need to be the Chiefs, the Ravens, the, the 49ers, the Cardinals now, the Seahawks, they don't need to be one of those teams to have success. They just can't afford to be below average. And I think that's yeah. – and you saw below average uh, against the Rams. You saw below average against the Colts. And it's just the, – the, the counter-argument I have to your point and the argument that I've been making for weeks now is the reason why the Bears are scary to me in that sense is – if given they have off, they given they have average offense, is that they're the perfect mismatch for this league in 2020. I mean, no team wants to come into Chicago with their high-powered offense and get shut down by the Bears. Like for example, and the team that I always use as a great example for this is the Seattle Seahawks. Say the Seattle Seahawks somehow, some way, have to come to Chicago for that first wild card game um, in January, and all of a sudden Russell Wilson, who's quite frankly probably going to be the MVP of the league, runs into a great defense. They only put up 11 points, and all. All of a sudden, with their 31st ranked defense, the Bears are putting up, you know, 24 points. It's a it's a perfect mismatch. I mean, the Bears right now, 
um, are the most unconventional team in the NFL. We have the most unconventional way of winning, and it's completely contrary to what the rest of the NFL knows how to do. Uh, like you said, not it's an offensive lead, and it's tailored that way, but this formula for winning can work. I truly do think it can, given that the offense is simply just average, not below average. Once you get to that below average point, it's impossible, but it, once you're still at that average point, this formula, it's uncharacteristic, and it's unconventional, but I think it works, and we saw this in 2006 with the Bears. I know it's a different league now, um, but this isn't the last. This this isn't you know. And if you want to make the case about 2018, I'm not going to bring up the double doink. But I think the reason why people thought that team was going to make the Super Bowl was for that exact reason. I mean, people thought that team could have won the Super Bowl because that defense was so dominating that in the end um, they would be the ones to be able to make a play and get your team to win. Um, and unfortunately, that didn't happen against the Eagles, and the offense tried to make it happen, and it just didn't uh, work out in the end. Um, but I just, I'm not ready. What I'm trying to say is I'm not ready to give up on this team is what I'm saying. Um, because I do, I, I do think there is a chance that once you get into the playoffs, um, which I still think is a possibility, which I still think will happen, you know, no team wants to come in and play that Bears defense, and no team is going to put up over. I mean, Chris, you would have thought the Bears let up 45 points last night, the way people are talking. They let up 24 points, and we're consistently being put in pos- bad positions. We're getting dominated by time of possession, and they still had opportunities somehow, some way at the end of the game to, to p- potentially come back and win. Um, after they scored that touchdown, people were on the edge of the seats thinking, you know what, we've done this in the past. There's maybe a chance if we drive down the field, the chance for us to win the game after all that happened the defense still kept you in that game held that team to 24 points i think i think that's a testament i think this still this team still has a chance and i'll go deeper into that but i do want to know um your thoughts to that kind of counter argument yeah i mean dude like I, i'm with you I, i'm with you but but here's the thing kevin he, here's kind of the, the problem and this is really the basis of it all what we talk about the offense needs to be average we've been literally Dead, damn near dead last in every freaking offensive category since the beginning of last year. What what evidence is there to prove is going to get better? What? I mean, there's nothing. There's nothing so, other, than, yeah. other, than, other than kind of just hoping it, it it happens. Like, there's I just don't trust the offense. I don't. I don't trust Matt Nagy. I don't trust his staff. I don't even trust the players right now. And that's kind of like my whole thing. It's that, yet, if they are average, j- just average, like literally average, you know, I think this team could could do some damage, but what what suggests it's going to improve? Like like that's my thing. What? Like, well, let's break it down. Let's break it down. So so number one, you know, I, I said we want to fix the problem, right? And we're not here to complain. We're here to fix it. Let's talk about number one. We already brought it up. Change the play calling, okay? And we're just we're just kind of spitballing here. Um, yeah. this is what we're thinking. You know, change the play calling. That's number one. Number two, this falls on uh on Ryan Pace. You know, you got to do something to get more playmakers. You got to do something to pick up Quentin Spain, who's sitting on his couch right now, waiting to get picked up by a team, a talented player who plays right into who who is uh, a player for who was a player for Juan Castillo back in Buffalo. I mean, well, it, it, it may be too, it may be a little too late for Quentin Spain because there's reports you know, that Bengals. he's most likely going to sign with with Cincy. So, I mean, um, but like, this dude, is what I'm saying. Like the, the freaking Bengals are are making moves out here. The Bengals literally, <laughs> the Bengals know they suck and they're still making contending moves. Like, and we're in a oh. championship window, quote unquote. And <laughs> you know what I mean. This like, goes back just, to the Le'Veon Bell. This goes back to Leonard Fournette. Yeah. This goes back yeah. to every single. I mean, I'm not. I mean, I don't. You know, people will have their opinions on Antonio Brown, but he's kind of another player that falls into that category. Yeah. I mean, the ineptitude. I mean, I I still am a Ryan Pace defender, and I have my reasons to be a defender. Um, but his ineptitude to make changes within season 
it that is unexplainable. It's absolutely unexplainable. What has to happen as we're talking about fixing it? They have to go out and make some sort of splash, an absolute. I'm not talking about a little splash. I'm talking about a cannonball from a 50-foot diving board type splash at the trade deadline to put this team in a position to to make a Super Bowl run. Now, what, what does that entail? To me, I think you have to. I mean, in the coming weeks, the trade deadline, I believe, is two weeks away now. Um, I right, something like that, two uh, weeks away. Or is it less usually, than that? It's it's usually week eight, I believe. So that would oh, be so this is that week. next? Yeah. This yeah. week? Or it's think, soon. Think, Whatever it's soon. Yeah, it's very, very soon. So what I'm saying is is as you know, as you saw today, um, someone went on the block today that I can't remember. Uh, I think Stefan Gilmore it was actually. Yeah. As you see, in the coming days, guys are gonna go on the block and there's gonna be reports. Offensive guard is on the block. Left tackle is on the block. Ryan Pace needs to make a move for one of those guys and needs to do it immediately. There's an alarm going off on my phone. Hopefully, it's an alarm that's telling me that Ryan Pace has, you know, traded for a guard. Um, you know, and then John Ross, fifth rounder. Uh, you probably get no, not sixth rounder, seventh rounder for him uh, from Cincinnati. Get another playmaker on your team. I mean, that is what it boils down to. He needs to make a splash, and if he doesn't, then you're right. What reason do you have to believe that it's going to improve? Yeah, I mean, I mean, that's kind of like my whole basis. Like, it, it's like, yeah, we keep saying we want them to be average, but week in, week out, they prove that they're not average. So it's like, you know, I just don't trust them. I really don't. Um, and, you know, I, I, I just want to just say this one more time. Like, I feel so terrible for the defense. Like, if I'm if I'm a defensive player on the Bears, like, w- what's my incentive for even trying right now? Like, why would I risk injury for an offense that can barely pick up freaking first downs? That's getting three points a game. Like, if I'm if, if I'm Khalil Mack, I'm like, dude, screw these guys. Like, you know what I mean? Honestly, like, like yeah. it's Bear, the I, defense I outscored the offense. <laughs> yeah, like that. Can They're like, we're doing more happen, than you. Man. That can literally. Yeah, literally, literally. They're was, doing the offense's job better than the offense is doing. Like, come on, was, dude. Come Man, on. Nagy literally said in the post-game press conference, I've never been a part of that before, where the defense has scored more than the offense. <laughs> it's like, yeah, yeah I don't know if I've ever seen that before either. And it's, man, like, it, it's, oh, God, man, it's frustrating. And then just one more thing that, that, that I want to I wanna bring up. I just thought of this right now. I sh- should have mentioned this earlier, but I, it didn't come to my mind. <laughs> Cole Komet was literally having a game, a freaking game. He was having a night. And he makes a great catch. This guy's literally mossing people. And Matt Nagy's just like, you know what, Demetrius Harris, get on the field, brother. I think it's your turn. Um, and it's like, dude, for for what? Cole Kmet was was literally balling out. He was balling out. He was making some tough catches. Let the kid play. Let the kid play. And 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 this kind of goes back to, to your thing about like adjustments. Like it when he, when when Matt Nagy tries to adjust, I feel like it's always the wrong adjustment. And a lot of times he doesn't even adjust. So it's like just, ugh, man, like it's frustrating, man. It really exactly. Is. It, it's and then very... we didn't even talk about special teams. Oh, we're going to get to that. that. We're going to get to that. Um, we're Actually, uh, so I'm just looking at the snap counts right now as you brought up the whole tight end thing. I also wanted to see if, um, you know, Jake's bold prediction was right. Oh, boy, Jake, were you wrong? But this is, you know, I don't blame you for being wrong. Um, it's actually quite stupid that you were wrong. Jimmy Graham, 76% of snaps. Um, Cole Komet, 32% of snaps. After, like you said, the first, I think it was like the first two plays or first series or second series or something, he was making those plays. And then they just shy away from him. Demetrius Harris actually had less snaps than Cole Komet. But still, I mean, just, you know, not designing plays for him or, or whatever it is. I mean, they're... 
you know, willingness to shy away from him after what he did. I mean, this, you know, I don't know. I don't know if I'm willing to call him a rising star yet, but he looks like a totally different player because he's actually getting the opportunities. And it's like, oh, my God, maybe when you throw in the ball, good things happen. Um, it's just baffling to me. And it, well, I think it was actually two weeks ago he said, yeah, we know we need to get Cole on the field more. Um, yeah, that was two weeks ago. He had 21 snaps this week, 20 snaps. So, yeah, okay, Matt Nagy, you know, I, I'd love to see some substance to your words and some truth to your words. Um, I, I mean, I do think he's he's sometimes an open guy in the press conference, but we hear it every time, man. Oh, the running game, yeah, we need to know that. We need to know, we we know that needs to get better. We need to know. Uh, we know some of these guys need more snaps. And it never happens. Never happens. Um, so I think that's frustrating. But as we go to the special teams here, Ted Ginn um, is probably sh- should have been cut, uh, and he probably will be because uh, what uh, Dwayne Harris, that's his name, Dwayne Harris. Uh, from the Raiders comes in. He's got four return touchdowns. One, uh, the infamous one you may remember is, you know, he picked it up at the one yard line against Denver, Denver circled around, ran it 100 yards for the touchdown. Um, a guy with a little bit more talent, a guy who's quite frankly probably willing to catch the football uh, on a punt. Yeah. Could you Can you imagine that? Wow, how what great would that be? Um, Johnny Hecker is an incredible punter, credit to him, but you give yourself at least 10 yards better position on a number of those punts. Had Ted Ginn Jr. just know how to catch a football off the punt. Yeah, um, I'm sorry, but like I, I know, I know you're you're not using it as an argument to why you know the special team struggled yesterday, but there is no way that I'm using Johnny Hecker being a good punter for what the hell we saw last night. Because if you're out, if you're telling me that these guys got dominated by a punter, I'm, I'll tell you right now, I'm not watching football anymore because that <laughs> cannot happen. Like, dude, we looked the team. Well, I don't even want to say the team. Ted Ginn looked like he was scared to field the punt. That's what it looked like. He was scared. He was scared. How yeah, is that was. possible? How? How? How, man? How? And it's like Matt Nagy, like the guy's just out here after, you know, every game saying, yeah, we know it needs to get better and then nothing gets better. So it's like it's just a freaking vicious cycle at this point. Um, I don't know, man. I don't know. I, I just think I, I'll – uh. I hope this take is wrong, Kevin. I ho- I'm going to drop a, a little oh, hot take right here. I hope this is wrong and we look back at this and start laughing uh, later in the year. But I, I see no way that this team makes any type of improvement offensively in, in the middle of the season because you had a whole offseason to do it and you couldn't even do it. So what's really... Good point. Yeah. I mean, it's, the, it's literally the same bullcrap as last year, so... I just I, I have a hard time believing a midseason miracle. Here's what should happen. Um, and what I think, if happens, will mean good things for the Bears. Number one, you give the play calling over to Bill Lazor. Number two, you give Lamar Miller an opportunity and give him some of the carries, and that turns out well. Number three, you trade for a guard. Number four, you trade Anthony Miller away, maybe for another uh, receiver. You bring in another receiver. You get uh, Tarna Mooney on the field more, who to me is just a—I mean, he's already a star, in my opinion. Did you see what he did to Jalen Ramsey last night? That, um, that should have been 90. I mean, yeah, oh, God, this guy would be having millions of—not millions, thousands of retweets on Twitter had he, had that catch uh, been had he gone 95 oh, yeah. yards for the touchdown there I mean this dude just broke down the ankles of an all-pro cornerback I mean it was just a beautiful run route his footwork is incredible his ability to go up and get the ball is incredible he's wide receiver too Anthony Miller made a hell of a catch um, but I think they should trade him away you can't trade Mitch Trubisky who anyone who says that is terrible quite frankly um, you can't trade Mitch Trubisky because you know I want to play this clip um, 
And I just want to let you know, I posted this to Twitter. It kind of popped off a little bit on our Bears Nation podcast. Twitter follow us if you don't. Um, I'm going to play this for you. This is from the Avengers. I just kind of want to, uh, you know, know what you think about it here. You ready? You could not live with your own failure. Where did that bring you? Back to me. Oh Chris, yeah, I think um, I think we Thanos see... there is Mitch Trubisky. <laughs> yeah, Thanos there is Mitch Trubisky. You could not live with your own failures. Where did that bring you? Back, back to me. To back me. to yeah. Mitch Trubisky. I mean, you know, I'm not guys. I'm not the only one saying this. I mean, this is Hojan Johns. They post that on their podcast. This is you know a lot of fans, a lot of media people saying you know even the Trubisky haters. Even the Trubisky haters are saying, you know what, at this point, I think that might be the better move. But enough talk about that. I do want to, you know, this has been pessimistic. Obviously, it's overreaction Tuesday because it's not, it's not, you know, obviously not overreaction Monday. They play on Monday, so it's overreaction Tuesday. Let's make you feel a little better, Chris. You know, I'm, I'm going to lift your spirits a little bit, buddy. You want that? All right. Let's do it. Um, this is still all about resilience, okay, for the Bears. It's how you bounce back. Ugly losses happen. They happen to the better teams. They, they happen. At, look, the the Packers. What two weeks ago got embarrassed by the Bucks, and, and everyone was talking all that. Oh, Packers, are they real? All that. And then this week they come out, and everyone's oh yeah, okay, yeah, they're a good team, right? I mean, te- teams get embarrassed every single year. Playoff teams lose by double digits every single year. It's not the end of the world. Look at the 2006 Bears, who many compare to this 2020 team. Um, they were seven and zero going into Week Nine against the two and six Dolphins. Sounds like an easy win, right? You know, easy win. You're a 7-0 team. Everyone's thinking you're one of the better teams in the NFL. You go in against the 2-6 and six Dolphins. Easy win. Well, they got walloped 31-13 by a team that ended up 6-10. and 10. And I'm sure the narrative after that game was, hold on a second about the Bears. I don't know. You know, they've won a lot of games, but are they real? Are they legit after a loss like that? And these kind of things happen to every Super Bowl contender, every winner, every year. Let's do a little history lesson for you Bears fans. 2019 Chiefs, they were 5-2 and two at some point. Where do the Bears find themselves right now? 5-2. and two. Uh, they had an ugly loss versus the 7-9 Indianapolis Colts. I mean, guys, 2018 Patriots lost week two, 31-20 to the 5-11 Jaguars. Week after that, lost week three, 26-10 to the Detroit Lions. Lost week 10, 34-10 to the 5-11 Lions or Titans. They lost week 14 to the 7-9 Dolphins and then lost week 15 to the Steelers. That team, that 2018 team Patriots, went on to win the Super Bowl. I mean, I know we are overreacting, but guys, this isn't the end of the world. These losses happen, and and I, as ugly as it may have seemed, you kind of look back at it and you're like, well, you know, you're 5-2. and two. You only lost by double digits in a game where, quite frankly, had you not thrown an interception, had it, and it, quite frankly, it all fell apart. You would have thought they lost by 40, and it was still a two-possession game um, and could have been a win if some things go right. Uh, you know, th- this, you know, I think people are really, really overreacting and, and there are, there is validity to it. There's validity to everything we said. There's validity to what everything that Chris has said. And there are more concerns to the bears than there were for the 2019 chiefs than there were to the 2018 Patriots. But what I'm saying is, you know, I, I think for this team, again, with that defense, anything goes, man, any given Sunday for this team, any given Sunday, they may lose, but any given Sunday, they may win. They, you, you throw me the best team in the NFL, who you think is the best team in the NFL. What I know is that the Bears are in one capacity or the other going to make it a game. You can argue last night, and I will argue last night, that there was, you know, what was it? I think five minutes left in the third quarter, they were down 10-3, to and Khalil Mack got the strip sack. I mean, guys, th- this this is not the blowout you think it was. Opportunities were there to win that game, and we're talking like this is the worst team in the NFL. That's not the case. 
how they get to the playoffs, when they get to the playoffs, it's a dangerous team. No team wants to play that defense. No team wants to play the Chicago Bears when they get there. So I'm just saying, once you get there, anything goes. Anything goes for this team, and they got to. They still got to get there. It's not a given they get to the playoffs, but this is the NFL. Any given Sunday with a defense like that, with a team like this, anything goes. And they're a scary team when it comes to the playoff. That's my take on it. So a little optimism for you there. Sorry for the rant. Man, I, I hope you're right, Kevin. I, I hope, I pray to God you are right. That That's that's my uh, that's my uh, reply to that. <laughs> I mean, it's just, we, we have the evidence. And, and everyone, I mean, this is Bears Twitter in a nutshell. This is Bears media in a nutshell. Uh, when yeah. things go south, it's the end of the world. When things go good, um, you're, you're, you know, in downtown cheering and raising trophies. I mean, that's that's what happens in yeah. Chicago, you know, media and Chicago Bears Twitter. I mean, that's quite frankly just the way it is. But, um, you know, I, I think we all need to – and this is what's going to happen, Chris. In two days, people are going to say, you know what, um, I, I think we overreacted a little bit too much. I think we need to kind of slow our roll on a few things. Um, I don't think I'm overreacting on Mitchell Trubisky. That's the only thing I'm don't, I'm not, I don't think I'm overreacting on. Um, and maybe – I'm not over. We're not overreacting about the offense, but about the team in general. I think we are going to take a look back and say, you know what, this team still is a threat. This team still is dangerous. We kind of, you know, put them into the dirt too much on Tuesday, um, and then they come out. And you know, what what's the narrative if, if they beat beat the Saints at home? I mean, what you know, everything can change in a week. You know, in the snap of a yeah. finger, people have different thoughts about this team. It happened one in, in week four against Indianapolis, right? I mean, you were three and zero. You go into you lose in that fashion. Everyone's questioning, and then oh, two weeks later, you beat the Bucks. You beat another team. You're five and one. Everyone thinks you're a top ten team in the league. You lose to the Rams. Okay, you're not a top ten team. You beat the Saints. Okay, you are a top ten team. It's gonna fluctuate week after week. You know this is going to happen. So let's all take a step back a little bit. Let's let's criticize what we need to criticize. Let's evaluate what we need to evaluate. But in the broad scope of things, realize that this team still has a chance to make the playoffs. They probably will make the playoffs. And I'm gonna knock on wood for that one, two, three. Um, um, and, you know, they're a dangerous team. So I think we just need to look at it from that capacity um, sometimes. You know what I'm saying? Yep. That's that's a very fair point. Very, very fair point. Um, you know, I think just NFL fans in general, not really even Chicago, just like I feel like it's easy to overreact. Um, and, you know, like I like if they beat the Saints, I, I feel like there will be a different tune, of course. Um, but but. You know, I'm I'm at the point right now. I'm gonna be completely honest. Like, like it's gonna take more than beating the Saints for me to to, to believe in this team because I I can't. Like beating the Saints is one thing, Kevin. Like beating the Saints, it, it, like that would be great. But if the offense isn't looking better to me, I just can't get on board. I, I just can't because it's like when the when the you know when the going gets tough in the playoffs, if you can't score points, I just. I just don't think you're going to do much. I, I just. So, so if you can't score points, you can't do much, right? So what happens fair. when another team comes into January and they can't score points on the Bears defense? I mean, this is uh, what I'm saying, dude. Like, dude, this is what I'm saying. And know, I'm putting man. a lot of stock into the Bears defense, but anything goes, man. I'm, I'm really hammering that anything goes. I mean, this is every single game, Chris. They're 5-2. and two. Every single game, they've had an opportunity to win. You know, they very well yep. could be. Um, you know, 0-7, but they're 
but they very well could be 7-0. and I mean, that's just the reality of this team. And the thing is, like, th- what we have to accept is this is, I mean, I think a lot of people have accepted it, and we have accepted that this is the reality of the Chicago Bears in 2020, is that they're going to be a horrible offense and great defense, and they're going to win a lot of games in that fashion. Um, and it's unacceptable to have that below-average defense, but we just have to accept the, the reality that, um, you know, it's a, it's a week-to-week basis. It's really just a week-to-week basis. And and as crappy as that is, and as unfortunate as that is, I think I think that's the reality. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it, I this kind of just goes back to how, how I guess you view it because, like my like I said, like the whole thing with me is that just this model, like, dude, we we had this defense, an even better defense in uh, in twenty eighteen. You know, and it's like that defense, like they did their job. They dominated that game and we still couldn't win. You get what I'm saying? Like we still only put up 15. Points. Yeah, but but what I'm saying is like anything goes like that same scenario happens this year. They may come out with a win if the field goal, if the kicker makes a field goal. I mean, it's any it's any given game, man. I, I mean, I guess. I yeah, what you're I know what you're saying. I But like we're both you're we're kind of both right in that sense because you're absolutely right that. Yeah. Oh, my God. You know, that defense was better. That offense was better. And they still didn't get it done. But to the same tune, it's like. If you pl- replay that game this year, I mean, you know, anything could happen. You know, any- anything could happen. If you if you replayed that game again in 2018, the Bears could have won nine times out of ten, and they just got lucky that unlucky that one time because god dang field goal. Um, but I'm sorry, I it's, it's, had to let it out there. But do you know what I'm saying here? And I, yeah. I totally understand your point. But you know, we can't sit back here and continue to hope that the offense is going to be a top 10 unit, continue to hope that the offense is at one point going to be the reason you're, win the game, you're going to win a game, because that's just not the case. It's not going to be the formula winning. So so your argument is that is that despite a, a bad offense, they can they still have a chance to, to do some damage. Exactly. And that's the spiel I've been making for weeks, because, I mean, at some point, you know, the Seahawks, great. They're all fun and games. That type, that style of winning isn't sustainable either. You saw it again uh, on Sunday Night Football. Their style of, I mean, at some point, someone's got to make a play, and yeah. when someone makes a play on their on the other team's defense, it's over. When Isaiah Simmons got that uh, that interception, it's over. The offensive shootouts can only last so long. They're the best offense in the league. The Seahawks are, but they're also the worst defense in the league. So when people tell me the Seahawks are so much better than the Bears, I look at them as, you know what? They're the same exact team as the Bears, except the exact opposite, if you know what I'm trying to say. They can win with offense, but at some point when they need their defense to win to make a play, it's not going to happen. The Bears at some point are going to need their offense to make a play, and it may not happen, but they can rely on their defense. So it's like that same exact situation, just the exact opposite, if you see what I'm trying to say there. So I think think they can win games with this formula, and they have. They have. It's not like they're they're two and five, Chris. They're five and two. They've been doing it against good teams. People think the Buccaneers are a top five team now, Chris. Look what happened against them. I'm just trying to hammer this point into the fans that, you know, no matter who the opponent is, it's going to be a game where the Bears are going to have a chance to win is what I'm saying. And I think you're you're right where the determining factor in that may be the offense making a play. Um, but maybe that's not true because we've seen the determining factor be the defense make a play. I don't know. Um, it's it's a conundrum. Let's just put it that way. It's an absolute yeah. conundrum with this team right now. Um, but what I will what, – what like, like I mean, God, I'm, I'm, I'm so sorry. I'm so lost for words right now because, you know, you bring that up and it's a good point. But I'll ask you kind of to end it. Um, you know, do you, do you think the Bears are a playoff team? 
I, I do. I do. Um, I, I think they're a playoff team. Um, just because I believe that, you know, they, they've won the games they're supposed to. Um, you know, I, lucky or not, they, th- those wins are on the board. Um, and they have a chance to, you know, still play some teams that I feel like they should be able to beat. But I, I just don't trust them to do anything in the playoffs. That's kind of where I'm at. Like, I, I think they'll make the playoffs. I don't have any hope of them for them to to do, you know, anything of significance. Hmm. OK. Um, I mean, I don't trust them either, but yeah. I also am going into it knowing that their ceiling is a Super Bowl. And the thing what I and where I think that's different from a lot of the other teams is uh, like, do you know what I'm trying to say here? Like, you know, that that team like in every single game could have a chance to go down and win the Super Bowl because of that defense, right? I mean, this is the exact same narrative from 2018. This is exactly yeah. what people are going but, to say. But in I mean, that case, I mean, in that case, wouldn't you be able to say that for, for all seven playoff teams? on? No, you wouldn't. AFC? No? No, because because you know that they're like other because other this is why I say the value of having a great defense is other teams are mediocre on both sides of the ball and they'll make the plus, but they have nothing to rely on down the stretch. I mean, you have at least the, the defense to rely on. I mean, if you are, you know, 16th in the NFL or, you know, 13th in the NFL in both offense and defense, I mean, you can play you can play good complimentary football, but you have nothing to rely on. Um, and I think the Bears can use that to their advantage, use that defense to their advantage down the stretch um, and know that, you know, in every single game, they're going to have a chance. And, you know, and no team is going to go ahead on them big. Um, no team is going to be able to just blow them out of the water. Um, and, I, and yeah, you know, oh, the Rams are out of the water. No, the Rams did not blow them out of the water. I don't want to hear that. Um, do you know what I'm trying to say here, though? Like, I feel like I'm not yeah. getting the point across. But, like, no, what no, I'm trying to— I, I get what you're saying. It's just, like— <sighs> To me, like, let's throw out a team, like, who do we want to throw out? Um, the Cardinals. The Cardinals. I think the Bears are more dangerous team than the Cardinals. In the playoffs. Like, I think they're a more dangerous like, team. I think mind, if you were a team wanting to go play the Arizona Cardinals or in the playoffs or the Chicago Bears in the playoffs, you'd rather go play the Arizona Cardinals. That's what I think people would rather do. Um, see, like, I don't know, man. I don't know about that. Like, in my mind, in my mind, both of those teams are not doing anything. Like, but just in terms of... Just why are the Seahawks argument, doing anything? What do you why mean? are the... Well, I mean, like, if you think both the Bears and Cardinals aren't doing anything, then why are the Seahawks going to do anything? Why are the Packers going to do You know, what, what's, what's the argument for that? Because, because in my mind, we, talk, we talked about how the whole league is catered to the offense in Seattle. I mean, they have weapon upon weapon. That's upon why the weapon. Bears are the mismatch. That's why the Bears are the mismatch. It's, it's, it's the know, perfect man. mismatch. I don't those, know. It's I mean, hard I, to accept. I, I, I mean, you are a representation of every fan right now. You're a representation of every Bears fan. I feel like I'm the only one who's accepted that this is the fact um, and, and really understood that this is why the Bears, to me, are dangerous. This is why the Bears, to me, are 5-2. and two. This is why the Bears stopped, you know, Tom Brady and the Buccaneers on Thursday and why after that game people were, you know, talking so good about them. Every This is the offensive league. You've said it a number of times. It caters to the offense. You know, they want offensive teams to fly. And, you know, the Ravens or the Seahawks are great and they got the 31-ranked defense. But 
Why did the Chiefs win the Super Bowl last year? They had a great offense, but they finally had a competent defense. Why did the Patriots win the year before? They didn't even have a great offense. Their defense came up clutch in the playoffs. This is exactly what the formula is to winning. It, it, it's not the formula. It's what the formula is for the Bears to winning. And it's the perfect mismatch. And it's what makes them so scary and still a threat to me, in my opinion. And, and why no team wants to come and play them. No team, no team that has a unit on their team that's being that's right around the freaking New York Jets is winning anything, man. That's just how I okay, see so it. Okay, so the Seattle Seahawks, huh? whose defense okay. is right around the New York Jets, yeah, are they winning? Yeah, I, I mean, this I, is I what I'm it, saying. Man. I, I get it. I, I definitely get it. But I just, I don't know, man. It's I, really I don't know. a question of what do you value more than, offense or defense? That's really what I, this argument I feel like is boiling down to. And I understand that you value offense more. But I'm a defensive guy. I always am and always will be. Uh, and, I, and I think down the stretch, that's what matters more in the playoffs is defense. It, I don't know, man. I just I just don't think it's fair for you to agree that, that the league is catered to the offense and then say the defense is more valuable right now. You get what I'm saying? Like it's that's like, exactly why it's valuable. It, 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 it's catered know, to the offense. I mean, it, it, it's well, it's really only, quote, catered to the offense because the penalties go that way. Um, other teams are just, you know, adopting that identity. But the Bears don't have to adopt that. It's not a requirement that you have to have a great offense to make the playoffs. If you don't have a top 15 offense, you can't make the playoffs. That's not in the rule book. Yeah, they're throwing more penalties okay. on the defense than they are in the past. But the fact that we say it's catered is just because more teams are, put, teams are putting up points at the higher rate, at a higher rate than they ever had before. That's the only reason why we say it's catered. And that's exactly why I say the Bears are the perfect mismatch. I mean, all right, well, well, to be fair, wouldn't you say the Rams have, a, have a, you know, that same advantage as the Bears in terms of having a good defense? Yeah, they, 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 have, a, they have that advantage. See, they, but, they, then, but, but they haven't isn't as good as the Bears. It's, it's not, not as many. But their offense is also, I feel, a lot better than ours. You get what I'm I saying? Don't think like, their offense is a lot better than you ours. You don't think so? I, I don't think their offense is a lot. I, it, it's, I, it's better, but it's not, you know, the, the Rams' offense isn't anything special right now. Yeah, yeah. No, it's definitely not special, but, but I trust McVay to get the most out of his players more than I trust Nagy to get the most out of his. That's true. And, and that's kind of like, like it's just like a, I feel like we're just going into like a revolving through a revolving like door right now, because like we're we're nothing that we're saying is wrong. Like we're all we're just both kind of <laughs> adding correct points that are like playing to our own arguments. But like I guess it's just a wait and see thing, man. Like I I don't know. Um, you know I feel like we've hit all the points there is to hit. Um, you know we blew some steam off, but you know I guess <laughs> I, I guess it's just a wait and see game, man. Uh, I I mean. Uh, like none of our questions will be answered today october 28th 2020 Mm -hmm. so it's like you know what i mean i guess there's not much more we could we could hammer through other than you know changing the play color signing Mm -hmm. a player making a trade other than those things other than those immediate answers like i said it's going to be a week-to-week basis and one week they're going to show up and one week they're not going to so it's going to make us as the predictors of the games on our score predictions a hell of a lot more difficult because you have no idea what the hell to expect week in week out um but sorry bears fans that's the unfortunate nature of this team in 2020. Um, you'll probably be biting your nails every game. You'll probably be, you know, when you're confident, you shouldn't be. And when you're not confident, you should be. That's Dude, just the way it is here in 2020. Listen, I already know this is what's going to happen because it happened already after the Colts game. We we all picked the Bears to beat the Colts. The Bears lost. We all picked the Buccaneers to beat the Bears. And then the Bears won. And I already know we 
all three of us picked the Bears to beat the Rams. The Bears lost, so we're probably going to all pick the Saints to win, and the Bears will probably win. There you go. But that's exa- just, exactly. That's just how this sport works, man. It, it's incredible. It's incredible. It never fails. It's 2020 in a nutshell, my guy. And, and, this, and this is how I'll end it is 2020 is the most unconventional, craziest, effing, unbelievable year of all time. Am I right? Yeah. The weirdest. Absolutely. You know, you just can't figure it out. Well, I could say the same thing about the Chicago Bears team. They're one of the weirdest, you know, you can't figure it out all over the place team in the NFL right now. And because it's 2020, how fitting would it be that they won the Super Bowl? That's how we end this podcast today. We'll see you guys next time for our preview episode against the Saints for myself and for my beloved co-host, Chris Nano. This is Bears Nation Podcast. We'll see you guys next time. Baby.